Thank you for listening to Absolutely Not, a live podcast series sponsored by Good Fair. Good Fair is a unique online thrift store experience that encourages people to go beyond shopping secondhand and become full-fledged conscious consumers. You can save the world and have fun doing it with their pre-loved clothing bundles. Just text G-O-O-D-F-A-I-R to 88619 to receive your special offer code for 30% off. Then let your thrifting begin. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Absolutely Not. I'm your host, Katrina Schroll. I'm a certified career coach and a people consultant who is dedicated to providing examples of setting personal boundaries at work and the vocabulary needed to name harm in those spaces. We usually go over definitions of words that we use frequently on the show, but that segment has recently been moved to the resources page on my website. So now I'll just list some words that we do use frequently. Boundary, dismissive, and gaslighting. All of these words are listed on my website along with their definitions and examples of people who have done these behaviors at work. Today's episode is entitled Drumroll Black boundaries at white work oh soak it in soak it in prepare process yes okay and my special guest today is pharaoh bolding pharaoh is a self-proclaimed world's greatest comic drawing pop culture skewering wrestling loving race equity seeking smack talking hr professional Vera has worked in human resources for everyone from sports and entertainment industry to nonprofit organizations and institutions of higher ed. With a focus on equity and inclusion, building inclusive workplaces and work cultures, ethical recruiting, facilitating professional and personal development trainings, and leading initiatives and conversations around white supremacy, anti-Blackness, and oppression in the workplace and in the community. He has also facilitated community conversations and trained professionals from every industry you can think of on equity, inclusion, white supremacy, and being actively anti-racist in a world built for and catered to whiteness. Oh, Lord. Thank you so much for being here today. (laughs) Thank you for having me. You know, I, I appreciate the opportunity to get the chance to hang out with you and talk about this topic. Talk about something that I talk about every day. (laughs) Oh, and let's talk about the topic, Black boundaries at work. What made you choose that specific topic of boundaries? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Uh, So for me, um, I've spent most of my career in human resources and human resources and at this later point in my career, mostly um, focused on equity and inclusion within organizations, uh, observing and talking about how boundaries are different for everyone. Mm-hmm. And that the workplaces that we work in don't care about your boundaries because they're white workplaces. Like they, they don't care. Like I, I, 
I have been on earth for 39 years and I cannot think of the last time other than possibly my spouse or some of her family members that a white person legitimately cared about my boundaries. Mm. Like, so I'm a firm believer and I'm a firm believer in establishing what your boundaries are early and continually reinforcing them in these spaces that don't want you really there anyway. Because, and I speak from this from experience as a black person, but I also speak in this from experience as the one black guy that's always in the HR department who watches as these organizations burn up and attack women and black femmes. And I see brown women and brown femmes leaving organizations. And, and I see this just boundary stomping happening all the time. Like that's what I call it, just straight up boundary stomping. And just from my conversations with those black and brown folks and people of color, getting an understanding that they don't believe that it's okay for them to have boundaries at work. So that's why I like to talk about this as much as I do. And I like to establish my boundaries in every space I'm in because it's been people of color, black folks, black women, black femmes, we've been made to feel that we're not allowed to have boundaries at work, you know? Uh, I preach. Um, excuse me, but um, I really appreciate you sharing your experiences. Uh, boundary stomping, adding it to my notebook, adding it to my um, repertoire for the rest of my life. I, I cannot think of a time where my boundaries were not stomped on deliberately in conversation. And I work in HR. Um, could you give an example of a time you've either witnessed or your boundary has been stomped on at work? Yeah, I can almost give, I can give both. Uh, one of the things that I always do when I work for someone, whether I'm a consultant or because I do some consulting here and there, um, or if I'm a full-time employee of an organization, is I'm very clear on what my boundaries are. Like, I'm the person that reads my whole damn job description. Because you ain't going to make me do anything that ain't written on that sheet of paper that I signed off of. Because I know the trap that is utter duties as needed. <laughs> and the most recent example I can cite is um, my last employer, uh, they had a really hard time with me not being willing to do things that were outside of my boundaries. Mm -hmm. And we found ourselves in a situation where I would have conversations with managers and leaders and they would want me to do things. So a particular example is uh, someone wanted me to come in and work with their department on an issue that the department had been having. And uh, between employees, between employees of color and some of their white managers. Uh, so we had a conversation and I could easily suss out that this wasn't something that just happened yesterday because none of these problems are ever anything that just happened yesterday. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, so if you want me to do this, we need to address the previous situations that created these issues. Mm -hmm. That's the only way that we can fully do that. And they were like, well, I don't think that's necessary. And my response was, well, one of my professional and personal boundaries is that if we can't do this work from a base of figuring out what happened, and what created these issues, then we're not going to do this work. So they got really mad at me and started raising their voice. And I was like, well, another boundary of mine is that 
you ain't gonna talk to me any old way because I ain't your child. That made them really mad. They went and told my boss and my boss was like, well, what happened? I told my boss what happened. I let them know that my boundaries are my boundaries. And my boss then proceeded to try to push my boundaries as well. I was like, well, you can do it just this once. And I was like, no, I, I can't do it just this once. Once again, and I was like, now you're, now you're violating my boundaries in my space. Um, and I don't have to take that. Uh, suffice to say, I don't work there anymore. Uh, <laughs> it is what it is. But that's one of many examples over the last few years where I state that me establishing my boundaries and me stating what my boundaries are uh, creates major issues for white people and people of color who have adjacency and access to little nuggets of white privilege that they like to use against other people. Um, and for me, if I can cite an example from watching it in action, is I see it in action all the time. Like I, I see people of color feel like they can't have that boundary that they don't answer emails after 5 p.m. Mm. I, I see people of color, I talk with folks all the time. I just had a conversation last week with someone and they shared with me that their boss had basically kind of uh, sublet them out to someone else without talking to them about it. Um, and it, it, it was already kind of a quote unquote done deal. Um, yeah. And I felt for that person because I was at that point, at one point in my life too, where something like that would happen to me and I would have felt like it was my fault. Mm -hmm. and, and I would have second guessed myself and I would have felt bad about myself when this situation wasn't this person's fault. They clearly said that they didn't want this and their boss did it anyway. Um, and now they're the one that feels bad and their boss gets to just continue stomping on their on the boundaries that they've established. Like, <clears throat> and I, and I felt really bad because I've been there. Like, I I wasn't. I've always been honorary, but I haven't always been this. <laughs> the older I get, the more boundaries I have. Mm. Um, for better or for worse, however you want to put that. I feel it's for better. I'm sure white like it's for worse. Uh, <laughs> you know, while they're feeling for worse about it, I'll be sitting on my porch having a glass of ice water and listening to some music and so they can be mad. I always tell white people, if you're mad, it sucks to be you. Get in line with the rest of the white people who mad at me too. It's, you'll, get, you'll, get, you'll get your number called at some point. <laughs> at some point, oh my gosh. Um, through those experiences, the thing, the words that keep playing in my head all start with over over explaining, over exhausted, over just over everything. We have to do the most just to get a simple line drawn in the sand. While other yeah. people in our office are able to say, oh no, you're going to do this. Or you're just this one time sminiminiment. And what they're asking us to do is put our internal values, our internal boundaries aside for the paycheck. Is the paycheck even... Okay, that's neither here nor there, but 
Um, so when that manager said, okay, maybe you just do this this one time and you said, uh, I will not, and you're also stomping on my boundaries, what was the next steps? Did they, I, I've seen it in action as well. What happened next? Uh, she basically just, and they basically just ended the meeting on me. They oh. basically didn't want to talk anymore. Um, and I didn't hear from them for like a week. And this is my direct supervisor. I didn't hear from them for a little over a week. And then we met again and they want to act like that didn't happen. Um, because I, I think at that point I had already established enough of my boundaries where I knew that we were at the tipping point because that's the other part of this. And let me just say that I do all this boundary setting as a black person in white workspaces with the understanding that they could fire my ass tomorrow. Like, Paul, uh, comedian Pombo used to joke about this a lot. Like, don't get too comfortable with me. Don't make me disappear too. And, and it's true. They'll, they'll just get rid of me. I, I fully understand that every place I've ever worked, I've had a timeline mm. for how long after I set those boundaries and say what I need to say, they're going to allow me to stay. Mm. So when I see the clock start ticking, it's either my job to go find another job or eventually they're gonna ask me to leave. Mm -hmm. I've been asked to leave. I've been paid to leave mm -hmm. because being a black person at work with boundaries is the most dangerous thing you can do. Being vocal and then having boundaries behind it. Oh no, you can't work here. You're not a team player then at that point because mm -hmm. white workspaces want you to just be you're supposed to just deal with the abuse, deal with the microaggressions, deal with people saying hateful things around you all the time, deal with being invalidated and gaslit, deal with not supposed to be having any boundaries whatsoever in any way. And then you're supposed to smile and everything's supposed to be hunky-dory. And like, I, my skin <laughs> is crawl, like my skin and all I can think about is being used. They just want to use you yeah. up for all you are and all of your blackness yeah. and the, the amount of time that they have you in. But um, another word yeah. that's popping up is consequences. Of course, there are consequences to all actions, but <clears throat> say you didn't set those boundaries with all those people, the consequence would have been you going home, looking in the mirror and being like, wow, you are a clown. You, <laughs> you are, Yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, was there true. ever a time you had to have that clown one-on-one -on -one with yourself? Oh yeah. Um, a few years ago, um, I was working for this uh, liberal arts college here in Portland. And I'm not going to say their name because if you Google my name, you'll find the amount of stuff I've said about this place. So it's not like it's going to be hard to find. I did not. That at the, To this day, that is possibly the most racist place I've ever worked. And it was horrible because I was the Black HR guy and one of the most racist places I've ever worked. Um, I, at that point in my life and my work, I was just dipping my toes into trying to set boundaries mm. for myself. Um, and I would find myself mad at myself at the end of every day mm. because I knew that they had just kicked the crap out of me all day and I had no defenders. I had no support, you know, my, my colleagues were just like, well, you know, it is what it is. My boss is just like, 
I would have situations where I tried to establish a boundary. I told a manager, no, I'm not doing that. And they would go tell my manager that I rebuked them basically. And for about a year, my manager's response to me would be like, what could you have done better? Because evidently it was my fault Mm -hmm. that I felt the need to have boundaries and not be used. And it, it took a toll on me mentally and emotionally because I found myself thinking about what's the point? Like, why do I come to work every day? Why, why, what, what's the point of getting up and going to work? But there's, you're getting nothing from this. Mm -hmm. The, the paycheck worth it, you know, like you, you, you can't enjoy any, any of the benefits of anything. If you constantly feel bad, Mm -hmm. you feel depressed. Like, I, I, I found myself constantly questioning myself and asking myself, how did you fail today? Why are you failing? Like, and, and it started permeating so many things. It's taken me a very long time to get out of that hole and I'm still climbing out of that hole. Like I, I've, I, I'm, see, I, I'm in therapy right now just to deal with those feelings of failure. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> what happens is that we find ourselves in these spaces and we're not allowed to have boundaries and we're not allowed to take the space that we need to do our job the way we want to do it while we watch our white colleagues do whatever the hell they please. And then we have to go home every day and look at ourselves in the mirror and be like, I'm just trying to get by. Mm-hmm. And I got to this point in my life where I was just like, I'm tired of getting by. I got people that I take care of. You know what I mean? Like I got, I got family, you know, like I, I got little nieces and nephews. I, I can't, I got to the point where I refused to let what I call white abetes kill me. And I call, and white abetes is these systems and these situations that we find ourselves in thanks to whiteness that we can never escape from in a real way, unless we make the boundaries for ourselves to take care of ourselves. And in that job, one of my breaking points was I had a guy come into the office and he was one of the managers. He was one of the high-end managers of the, in the school. And he says to me, Farrell, your facial hair has changed. And I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, people change their facial hair. It's not a big deal. And I obviously don't want to talk about it. It wasn't like a conversation to me. My boundary was my body language telling him, mm-hmm. I want to talk about it. She's like, hmm. He's like, you had a goatee the other day, but now you have a mustache. And I'm like, yeah, why are you still going forward this conversation? And he says to me, well, Farrell, if you keep changing your facial hair, how am I supposed to tell you apart from the other ones? And he did this in an office full of my colleagues and no one said anything to me. No one tried to stand up for my boundary. No one tried to stand up for me in any way. Um, I ended up going home early that day because I just couldn't, I just got it. And I'm on the bus and I'm riding home and I'm crying because it's like, and I'm, I'm almost crying right now talking about it. But it's like, I felt like I was blaming myself. Like I did something wrong by not wanting to, pers- by putting up a wall and not wanting to have this conversation. I was bad, I was mad at myself. And by the time I got home, I knew I couldn't do this anymore. Like I, I had to have boundaries because if I didn't, if I don't, they'll kill you. It may not be a physical death, but they'll kill your soul. 
And I, I refuse white diabetes takes my soul. Um, thank you so much for sharing that experience. And I know that it took a lot, but I cannot thank you enough for sharing it today because so many of us specifically in the audience may have gone through the exact same thing. But the first word that popped in my head is traumatic. The fact that you are still having an emotional response to it while telling the story, and it's also causing a lot of us unemotional responses, this is something that is going to stay with you for the rest of your life. And I need a lot of people who don't look like Bear and I to realize that the that type of behavior stays with us. It is cutting us till this day, and we no longer want to go through that ever again. Yeah. So we are setting these boundaries to live the healthy lives that we we deserve, quite honestly. Oh, okay, let's, let's, okay, thank you so much. Um, I have one more question for you before I open it to the floor so that people can ask yeah. you some questions. Um, I know that you mentioned your therapist, which probably was a really good help, a support for you moving into boundaries, but was there anybody else in your life that helped you say no to things? Yeah, um, <clears throat> for me, I think it's when I really decided to kind of, uh, and I really decided that I need to have some boundaries for myself. Um, the first thing I did was talk to folks that um, I had, been mentored by that I learned from um, in becoming um, an anti-racism facilitator, um, moderator, mediator, however you want to put it. Um, and I took some of the lessons that they had been sharing with me for some time where you have the right to have boundaries for yourself in this, because if you don't, it will eat you up. Um, Ruth King, who wrote a book called Mindful of Race, and I'm I'm, I'm sure some folks in the space know who Ruth King is. Um, she talks about if we don't take care of ourselves, we can't take care of anyone else. And, and that's what clicked me. I, I, I realized I had let so much of this trying to be open, quote unquote, because what tells you that you need to be open, you need to be open and willing, when whiteness is nowhere near open and willing, whiteness shuts down on you every five minutes, doesn't want to talk to you about real stuff, runs over things, puts you in danger. Uh, I, I just, I, I realized for myself that it was starting to like, I, I need to have those boundaries if I was gonna keep moving forward. Like either I establish boundaries now or I, I, I'm gonna be depressed. I'm just gonna be unhappy. And you know, my wife was part of it too, she, she noticed she's you know she's the person that sees me every day when i come home like she she noticed she she she's the one who encouraged me to um seek some support seek some help um and i procrastinated on it for years because you know there's that whole mental health stigma from black people. i mean i'm a black dude from detroit we don't talk about mental health you know and, and here i am married to a therapist and my family we don't talk about mental health you know like it's not a thing like it's the way I grew up. It's like, you don't talk about those things, you deal. Mm -hmm. um, I had to, I realized I had to quit dealing and it took me some years to get there, but I finally got to the point where I got to quit dealing. Like I, <clears throat> so my, my wife and some of the folks that I learned from and, and have been, you know, have 
just been great supports throughout the years. Mm -hmm. And just some of the folks I follow, like reading some of the works of people like uh, Ruth King and uh, Rezma Aminakem and, and, and understanding that if you're doing this work and if you're not doing this work, if you're just trying to be black and live, because look, this, I'm not, I'm not going to try to talk anybody into doing, doing, talking to white people every day about racism. I'm not, it's not fun. Like, <laughs> blast. This is not fun. Mm. Like I, I was just talking about this the other day. So we'll post something about, uh, describe your job in the worst possible. And I was just like, white people pay me to tell them they're racist. Like there's nothing fun about mm. that part of what I do for a living, you know? And if you're just trying to live, if you're just trying to be black and live, you have to understand that just because white people say you don't have the right to have boundaries in these spaces, and just because you have to sit every day and watch white people stomp all over each other's boundaries, don't mean you got to get your boundaries stomped on too, because they do the same thing to each other. Talk to just as many white employees as I talk to employees of color who were like, you know, I told them I didn't want to do that, and they made me do it. Like, and you didn't tell them go to hell. Mm -hmm. Like, because <laughs> here's my thing. Like. When I told them to go to hell, they're like, oh, that Farrell's the worst person on earth. If you tell them to go to hell, you get to come to work the next day. I might get fired. White people don't get, I, I, I've been in HR for almost 10 years. I still haven't figured out what white people need to do to get fired. I've seen white people do ridiculous things and keep their jobs. So if you can't say, no, I'm not doing that, because like, you can do whatever you want. You're white. These spaces were built for you. I'm the one that can't, I'm the one that's not supposed to have boundaries. So I mean, like, like, I like for me, it was understanding. And the other part of it, I would say is that I realized that I always told people they could have the right to have boundaries, but I wasn't doing it. Mm. You got to practice what you preach. Mm. Like I've, I'm forever telling black people, you got to have boundaries. You have the right to not have them do that. And here I was letting them do it to me too. Mm. So it was also other people. It was also realizing like, like you are finding yourselves in spaces where you get to be a voice for others. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a boundary, but you tell other people that boundary, they're gonna see that you can't do it either. Right. Oh my gosh. Representation is so important. And even in this space, I'm still learning how to set boundaries every single day. But I tell myself those same messages. Hey, you have a whole show dedicated to boundaries. You better set some boundaries. <laughs> What's going on? But um, thank you so much for sharing all of those people in your support system that were able to help you move along to the boundary filled person you are today and being an amazing example for a lot of people here. I will now open the chat and see what people have been saying. And if you'd like to ask Pharaoh a question, he is in the hot seat. Ask him everything, anything about the sun, the moon, the sky. Uh, type it in the chat or come off mute. We are ready to answer these questions. I'm just going to read a few comments good. in here, though. Someone said, if y'all haven't read Channing Austin Brown's book, please do. This is hitting so many points. Okay, great. Oh, someone said, these white spaces are dangerous. Okay, we will acknowledge that. Um, <laughs> and then this other comment says, whiteness requires us to to open and willing, and yet it's the opposite of open and willing. Yes. Um, somebody did ask a question. They said, can you give some examples of boundaries that you share at work currently? Yeah. Um, so in my current role, uh, it ended up not being the role that I expected it to be. Uh, 
So as soon as I figured that out, I was like, well, I need some boundaries. Because mm-hmm. if y'all ain't going to let me do my job, and you're only going to let me do 25% of it, I'm only doing that 25% you allow me to do. So I made it clear right away. Well, I'm not taking these random meetings if teams don't want to do deeper dives. I'm not doing band-aids when you're, where there's open wound situations. I'm just not. Um, that boundary, once it was established, I had a whole lot of people that want to talk to me at that point. Uh, another one of my boundaries is I'm, I'm willing to do trainings because part of my role is training and facilitating, but they, have, they can't be one-offs. Mm-hmm. Like, because everybody wants a one-off training. Well, we talked about racism this year, so we don't have to talk about it no more. You know, <laughs> I get hired by folks who just like, can you come in and talk about racism for an hour? Like, you think we gonna nail it an hour? We just good. <laughs> it's a boundary of mine. If you want to work with me on this, this is a few months situation. This mm-hmm. isn't like I come in once and then we never talk about it again. Like. So those are boundaries that I have right now in my work. Um, another boundary that I have right now in my work is I do not answer emails before 8.30 mm. and I do not answer emails after five o'clock. Mm. And that is a Monday through Friday situation. And if you didn't get to me before 4.45 on Friday, I will talk to you on Monday at 8.30. Mm. Uh, <laughs> because that is the ultimate boundary situation mm. right there in the United States work, white workplace is you're supposed to just be on call, even when you're not on call. I'm supposed to just answer your email you randomly sent me at 9.30. I don't even look at my email at the five o'clock no more. Like, why? There's nothing there for me at the five o'clock. <laughs> There's nothing there that I need at five, after five o'clock. So if you send me an email at 4.48 and you want a long-winded answer, you're gonna have to wait till tomorrow or Monday. That's just the way I roll. I don't, I don't, that boundary frustrates white people because they prescribe to the idea that, well, when I ask you something, you should get back. And, and that's never, now let me say that it's never said completely out loud either. It's an unwritten covert thing that white people will swear they don't want you to answer that email you sent me at nine o'clock. And why the hell did you send me an email at nine o'clock? Like, <laughs> You could have waited till the morning and sent me that exact same email, but nope, you wanted me to answer at nine o'clock. Let's be real with each other. If we go on here, that's a boundary of mine. And I've had that boundary for a few years. And I know it frustrates white people. It really frustrates them. They can't get hold of me whenever they want and have me fix their problem, quote unquote, whenever they want. I get that it's a frustration for them, but it's a boundary I have in my current role and I've had for years. And I've, I've gotten even more severe with it. Like, don't expect to hear from me, like either. Like I'm, I'm about two steps away from having a permanent after five away message, just so people get the hint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but those are boundaries that I have right now at work. Um, and the, also the other boundary is I do not believe in duties as other duties as necessary. Mm-hmm. That's nonsense. That's white people nonsense. I guarantee you a white person came up with that. That's this, you, I'm going to work you and make you do random things that have nothing to do with your job. I have never seen anybody call in other duties as a sign unless they want you to do some crap that's not in your job. Mm-hmm. Like and I refuse to not in your job. It'd be like. Exactly. Like it'd be like a whole nother job. <laughs> 
Because we both do my job plus this other dude does a side job. No, that's a firm boundary for me. Don't hit me up with stuff that ain't in that job description. And that also frustrates white people because they think that I, because another thing that, and I'm sure a lot of people of color in this space agree with, will agree with me on this and they've seen it, is we're treated like we should be grateful that you gave us a job. Like, look, I'm black in Portland. I'm a damn unicorn at this point. I'm a black dude in HR in Portland. I can go work whatever the hell I want to. I choose to work for you. Mm. So if I don't want to do something because it's way out of the purview of my role, I don't know I'm going to do it because I can go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I think for a lot of, a lot of people of color, a lot of black folks, we're, we're, we're always been conditioned to not believe that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay. If you get to that point where it's time to go find another job, do the search, go find yourself another job. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying the grass is going to be greener on the other side or anything because I mean, you're still black. And you're still doing white people. I mean, it's gonna magically change somewhere. You're still gonna be at another white workplace, mm-hmm. but maybe it's a white workplace that's not gonna put, the, not gonna have the same drain and trauma that the current workplace you're working in has, and and that's okay. That's okay. I that is the pivoting point that so many people that look exactly like me argue with me with. Like, okay, leave. Then it's it's abusive. It's toxic. It's draining. Your, then leave. And they will just fight me tooth and nail, like, well, you know, this is this and that. Like, okay, if you ain't got to explain it to me. I've been there, sis. <laughs> you don't, you do not. Um, I, we have another question in the chat. How do you begin to set workplace boundaries? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Uh, like I said earlier, I like to establish um, boundaries early um, in my relationship with folks. I like to establish them right off the, out the gate. But when you're in the middle of something and you need to establish some new boundaries, um, I find the best thing to do is have a conversation with the person or parties who you need to know you have this new boundary and be, be prepared to say why. And don't care if they face you screwed up when you tell them why. Because that's the thing. Like, it's okay to be clear, like, you know, I was recently, you know, you recently asked me to do this and I realized I've been doing this for the last six months and it's really not a part of my job. I understand that we're shorthanded, um, but at this point I have to set a boundary for myself where I can no longer take on those extra duties because I need to be able to focus on the core parts of my job. Mm-hmm. And who's gonna dispute that? Mm-hmm. If they get mad at you, they get mad at you. If they get mad at you to the point where they try to retaliate, one, you got a bully complaint. So if, they, if anybody ever tries to do something, if you set a boundary and anyone ever tries to tell you, to treat you like you were wrong for setting that boundary, go or go to the labor board. Just go ahead and file you a complaint. Like, what's the point? Like, let, let, them, let them sit on the hot pot for a little while. Like, because if you're gonna be abusive toward me for setting a boundary based on something that is not in my job, mm-hmm. like, then you just wanted a person to be a fall guy or a patsy. You, you didn't want an employee. You, you wanted a mule. And I'm not a mule and none of y'all are mules either. Um, I, everybody's camera's off right now, but I'm pretty sure there's no animals in attendance <laughs> right now. So, you know, like you're not a mule. You don't have the, they, no one has the right to treat you like a mule, but that's what happens with people of color. Especially when we're put in roles where we're expected to do a lot, but we're given no tools. Mm-hmm. That's when we have to be able to set boundaries in those spaces. They're already going to be asking you to do 50 things. 
they can't actually do another 50. It's okay to, as things come up to set that boundary, but you need to be willing to have a conversation about it. So do what you need to do to get prepared for that conversation. Get yourself centered, do some mindfulness for yourself, mm -hmm. be ready to have that conversation, be ready for them to want to dispute it. Mm -hmm. And when they try to dispute it, you should be able to be willing to state, I hear what you're saying, but this is my boundary. Because the dispute is going to be to get you to get back in your place. Because like I said at the beginning of our time together today, they don't care about you. Let me be really real. I've been working since I was years old. I have yet to have a white boss that I felt truly cared about me. Like where if I was like, we ain't doing that nonsense, they'd be like, yeah, what Farrell said. I have never had a boss that I felt was going to back me 100%. They will back you until it's uncomfortable. Mm. And then you on your own. Mm. <laughs> Realize that you was probably already on your own from the beginning. And when you establish boundaries as they come, mm -hmm. because I think that's healthy. I think being willing to have a conversation and then understand that they're going to try to rebuke you mm. from wanting to do that, but still keep your boundary. Right. And then be willing to have that boundary of like a week later, someone wants to come up with, hey, could you do this? Like, well, no, I'm sorry, I can't. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we talked about this last week. <laughs> I constantly have to reaffirm my boundaries. I come up with new boundaries all the time. I constantly have to reaffirm them. That's part of it too. It's, they're not gonna want you to have a boundary and they're gonna expect that eventually you'll relent and you'll go back on your boundary. Don't never go back on your boundary. You set that boundary for a reason. Mm -hmm. Don't let them whittle you down and say like, okay, I guess I'll do it this one time. That one time is means you're going back to doing it. They're gonna, it's your job again okay. now when it wasn't your job at the first place. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, this is a sermon. But um, I appreciate <laughs> the fact that you touched in when you when you go into these meetings. If you feel yourself being um, being manipulated or abused in that moment and you say, okay, I am either going to fight this person or cuss them the fuck out because I get those feelings as well. Go back to your desk, process, create that agenda. This is what I want to talk about in this meeting. It is about a boundary. And if we get off of that, I don't want to continue this conversation because I didn't come here for that. Oh my gosh, so many good techniques on how to set boundaries at work. I have one more question for you. How does one address other duties as assigned in the job description? What does the conversation usually look like during the hiring process? Yeah, um, that's a very good question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'm the jerk who will be like, I'll accept that job if you take that other duties assigned out there. That's what I did with my previous role, my current role. It's like, I'm not doing that part. Mm -hmm. So you might as well take that all out. <laughs> we don't do that around here. Like, that's not a thing. Um, I think when you're in the hiring process, when you're maybe an interview for a position, um, when you see things in the job posting and you, you have the opportunity to ask questions, ask that question. Mm -hmm. uh, could you please explain what other duties assignments how does it connect to this role is it is it work outside of this role mm. is it separate work ask them to explain it to you because if they can't explain it to you that automatically tells you that it's oh yeah we need somebody to go do some mail today we need somebody to go do this and that today 
and and all that nonsense like mm -hmm. and you know like so it's it's very okay to ask that question i am seeing less and less job postings mm -hmm. that have the other duties and signs i think somebody finally got the hint that you're already asking me to do 52 things that one person can't accomplish in 40 hours and then you want to throw on another tag at the end like i think places start to get it because the last two generations of people in the workforce ain't doing other dudes doesn't sound like that anymore it's not a thing in the same way um but i do think that when you're interviewing for a position ask about it ask be very clear and then when they want to offer you the position be like I'd like to take this position, but I want to address what we talked about at the beginning around the other duties as a sign. This is where you get the chance to vouch for yourself. Like, I love this role, but um, I I'd like to have an assurance that I'm not going to be asked to do anything outside the purview of my role. And if you and if they want to, and, <laughs> yeah, and get it in writing. Have your offer letter state as agreed upon. We, yeah, don't let them tell you verbally. Get it in writing and have somebody sign off on it. So don't take no verbal contract from no white person at no workplace. <laughs> I get everything right. I'm a jerk. I'm like, so I'm gonna write up that email real quick and send it mm -hmm. to you uh, with everything we just talked about, so we can have it on paper. Because they won't. I, I guarantee you, they won't um, live up to that part of the bargain unless you get in writing. <clears throat> but that's okay to ask for that. Right. Um, now, if you're in a role already and other duties assigned commonly pops up. Once again, it's time to have a difficult conversation with somebody who ain't gonna really want to talk to you about it, but you need to be able to establish that boundary. I'd like to talk to you about uh, the other dudes assigned part of my job description. Um, I'm kind of curious as to what that entails because I realized recently I've been asked to do some random things outside of my job. And if that's the other dudes assigned, I'd, I'd like to talk about not doing that anymore. Um, these are conversations that as people of color we're told not to have mm -hmm. but you have the right to have them you i think you might no longer be the host oh there you go yeah i can hear you huh technology <laughs> Oh yeah. I mean, I'm I'm human, you know, like most definitely. Um I won't say recently because I'm very cognizant of what I was saying earlier, where I have my boundaries and I want people to respect my boundaries. So I will go above and beyond to respect the boundaries of others. I will ask folks, like, what are your boundaries in this space? I don't want to dive in anything. If it's something that will impact your boundaries, let me know. Like, I, I want to be clear with folks, everybody that I talk to work with, I want to understand what their boundaries are in those spaces. Um, but yeah, back in the day, even probably a few years ago, when I was getting more, more and more comfortable with my own boundaries, um, part of me getting very gung-ho about my boundaries was kind of saying um, to dad with somebody else's boundaries sometimes. And I had to check myself on that. Like, you know, it's very easy to be like, these are my boundaries, but sometimes your boundaries couldn't stomp on someone else's boundaries unintentionally 
like me having a boundary with white folks that I'm doing work with is different than me having a boundary with black women and black femmes that I'm working with. It's different. Like the boundary sets different because I understand the boundaries from different perspectives. So, you know, I, I've had my moments when I was establishing my own boundaries where I realized that by my, me establishing this boundary, I wasn't helping someone or I might've been harming someone. Um, and I've had to check myself. Like that's part of the work in all of this is, you know, it's, it's not gonna be perfect. It's always messy. You, you do your best to learn, atone, and not dwell on feeling like you're failing because you're gonna misstep. I mean, you know, boundaries are tricky because human beings, we're told boundaries are a thing that exists, but every day we run into folks who have no respect for people's boundaries. I mean, I go to the supermarket and like, I have white women trying to sneak under my arm while I'm trying to grab veggies from the top part of the rack. And it's like, you can give me five seconds to get out of your way. Like, <laughs> it happens to me all the time. My wife is sitting in the acting and she's like, why do they keep doing that to you? I'm like, I'm invisible. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, I see people abuse boundaries all the time. So when I've caught myself in a space where I may have abused some of the boundaries, I had to check myself. It, it's like the more cognizant you are of those things, the easier you are, the easier they are to catch in a tone. Um, before, I, before I got centered on believing that I too deserve to have boundaries, like I'm pretty sure I stepped on people's boundaries all the time because that's the give and take. If you don't get to have boundaries, then I don't get to have boundaries. So we all stomp on each other's boundaries. <laughs> and the more I've learned, the more I continue growing, the more I've been able to check my own boundaries. And like I said, in my journey to getting to where I'm at now, where my boundaries are firm and set, I had a lot of uh, misfires and missteps on realizing that sometimes my boundaries as a black man, as a man, as a cis male, were often, um, unintentionally stomping on the boundaries of folks who even had less than I have in these spaces or more marginalized in these spaces who are mistreated more in these spaces. And I realized I was being a part of white supremacy by doing that. And I had to check myself and I had to atone. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We do take donations. <laughs> the collection plate will get passed around. Uh, the last thing I'll say is 
it is legitimately okay for you to have a boundary in all your spaces. I know we're talking about this from the perspective of work, but it's okay to have boundaries in your in your life outside of work too. Like I, I always tell folks like, you know, white supremacy will tell you that these are two separate spaces. But as people of color, as marginalized folks, as folks with intersecting identities, we know that the what we're dealing with at work is also what's in the community too. You know, and you have the right to have boundaries in all spaces. It's not, it doesn't have to be sequestered to white work. It's white everything, because we got to deal with white everything. It's not like we get to avoid it. Like white people get to go home whistling Dixie and not think about these things. Our commute home is still part of this that we've dealt with all day. And even if we're working from home right now, which allows us to dodge some of it for those of us who are privileged enough to be working remotely, you still get to have those boundaries when you are out in spaces. It's not just a work thing. 